Abundant Life Foursquare Church presents to you a message of hope, grace, and the power of Jesus. We trust that you will be inspired by the Word of God as we grow together in Christ. Today as we uh, talk, I, I'm looking forward to bringing to you um, really uh, two passages, one in the Old and also in the New Testament, uh, looking at something that I think is important. Uh, I know it's been important to me. God's been speaking to me about this subject and uh, hopefully to you as well uh, as we go into this called uh, something very important, our attitude. And I like the idea of a Thanksgiving attitude, uh, something that obviously in this time of the year, although this isn't necessarily a Thanksgiving message, but I got to connect, right? It's, can you believe it? We are like days away from Thanksgiving. Is anybody ready? Yeah, the, the first service and I, we made a decision. We're sending a memo out. We get another week. Can you see into that? Okay, so memo's going out. We're going to wait one more week because I, I, I think we could use another week. There's so much going on, and it's crazy. But I, when I think about the idea of being thankful, and I think about attitude. Now, God's reminded me over this past several months uh, with some of the things that I have faced and walked through. Uh, some of the things that others have faced and walked through. Because I've had this conversation uh, very directly with a few individuals about, so how is your attitude? And let's talk about your attitude. We're going to see as we go through Scripture that being thankful to God is something that's a critical piece of Scripture. It's repeated, you may not realize, a lot. Over and over again, we are giving instruction to be thankful, whatever that circumstance might be. And a lot of times we easily fall into the trap, I think, of being negative or being critical. I was talking to someone who's in graduate school, and you just know when someone's in graduate school because they're overly critical about everything. <laughs> it's part of our educational process, you know, they, they're training you to, I mean, you know, ask questions, but also to be critical of everything. And so it's just kind of an interesting conversation I'm just thankful that my attitude has changed uh, in, in that way. But uh, this past uh, weekend, um, uh, Lois, and, uh, Lois and I, we went back to California. As you know, we were gone, and it was the one-year anniversary of my mom's passing. And one of the things that you do as part of the Jewish tradition is at the end of the year, you have the unveiling of the... Uh, the gravestone or the marker, and there's a very brief uh, ceremony that takes place. And so we went back to do that and uh, visited with family and uh, had a chance to have that moment. And it was, uh, of course, it's Southern California. I want to apologize, but it was 84 degrees. <laughs> um, there was a moment where my brother and I, we were, we were sitting on uh, the lawn there where her grave is, and we were you know, having just a, a moment of remembrance, and you know, I realized I had dressed inappropriately. Uh, I was looking like I'm from the Northwest, <laughs> and I was just absolutely dying. Uh, I thought, oh, this is like, it was a gorgeous view. My mom's uh, graveside just oversees Los Angeles, and she has a very, it's in a Jewish cemetery, and it was just a really a, a great moment uh, in, in terms of just remembering and having that kind of closure, and <clears throat> it was warm. I just, I just, we found ourselves being thankful. 
you know, we were kind of going through all the things that we were remembering and how thankful we were for mom and all those kinds of things. And that was really good. I, we have a lot to be thankful for. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking, uh, of course, we went on the plane. Uh, I was on the way down there. We were, we were just like, I, I don't know if you ever have this thought, but here we are in a steel tube at 35,000 feet in the air going well over about 1,500 miles in two hours. Can you say amen to that? I mean, 100 years ago, we'd be getting into our cart with our horse, and we'd be planning a month trip. <laughs> Instead, we're going over the Can you imagine going over the mountains and everything? And here, literally, I mean, I love it. The captain came on and said, we've got you know, winds that are blowing. We're going to get there 30 minutes early. Can you say amen to that? And so it's just, again, a reminder of being thankful. And, and, then, and then the guy gets on, the captain gets on and says, oh, by the way, we have free Wi-Fi now to offer you. So I'm just thinking, this is a crazy moment. Here we are, 35,000 feet up, traveling a ridiculous amount of speed, going to California, and I can get on the Wi-Fi for free. There's a lot to be thankful for there, you know? And it was interesting because there was a guy I could hear complaining, a young guy behind me, and he was complaining that the Wi-Fi was too slow. <laughs> I just thought, man, you should be thankful that you're on a plane, traveling very quickly, and we have Wi-Fi. I mean, we're in touch with the entire world around us. I mean, isn't that crazy? I mean, we have so much to be thankful for. Your cell phones, right? We talk a lot about cell phones. Cell phones are something to be thankful for, right? If you're, if you're kind of a my age group, you still remember having to dial a phone number. And you remember, and if you had too many zeros in the phone number, it took forever, right? Now we get impatient if it doesn't ring. And then, do you remember when you would ring and the phone would ring and, they, and no one would answer, but there was no message machine, no voicemail? So you had to count how many rings that you were going to wait for till you hung up, right? The typical rule was 20 rings and then... <laughs> At that point, they weren't answering the phone, you would hang up, right? Today, I mean, we not only can call them, have instant connection, but we can even see them face-to-face. -face. I mean, now that's a little scary, but you can see people face-to-face, -face, right? You can catch them at some of their great moments. And, then, and I was, the other day, I was so thankful for a microwave because I was hungry, and uh, Lois, my wife, said, um, yeah, put the dinner in the microwave, and in one minute and 30 seconds, I had a hot meal. <laughs> now, I, I put a picture up here. I still remember the day of TV dinners. Remember the Hungry Man dinners? You had to wait 45 minutes, minimum. Remember that? And you had to, like, make sure you opened up the one section to get the apple crisp. Because <laughs> if you didn't do that, it came out soggy and kind of yucky. See, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. That's, that's how old I am. But the idea of, I mean, I still remember my mom so excited about TV dinners, right? We were talking about that, and we were in, I still remember graduating from normal TV dinners to the Hungry Man TV dinners, right? And uh, getting an extra piece of chicken. Again, we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, life, our technology is amazing. You know, in a lot of ways, it makes life easy. A lot of ways it also makes life challenging, doesn't it? I was thinking about the idea of just God's Word and uh, what this means to us and how important it is. So the idea of being thankful, 
and having uh, an attitude is very important. You know, one of the things I've thought about is success. A lot of times we uh, got to be careful of success. <clears throat> Scripture talks a lot about success. And success can be very healthy and can also be very hazardous. A lot of times we can have success and it can become something that is challenging to our lives. I've seen people uh, not handle well the success they may be having or um, they may be striving so hard for success that it becomes hazardous to their family, to their own well-being. I have met people who are unbelievably stressed out in an effort to be successful as if somehow that's going to make the difference. And once again, Scripture talks about that. We're going to be looking at that. And, and you think about it, you can see the grapes there, because that kind of leads you, if you would turn to Deuteronomy chapter 24, if you'll look there, I'd like to bring a, just a, a passage. This is a, a portion of Scripture in the Old Testament that has a lot to do with some of the rules and regulations of life. And we're going to look at also the New Testament. I don't want you to think that this is just an Old Testament. This is a biblical principle that is contained, if you were read God's Word, the idea of what we're talking about, thankfulness, attitude, all of these things is throughout the Word of God. And here in this particular passage, uh, starting at verse 19, if you look there at verse 19, it says, when you're harvesting your crops and forget to bring a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Um, then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. When you beat the olives from the olive trees, don't go over the uh, rows twice. Leave some of the olives for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. This also applies to the grapes in your vineyard. Do not glean the vines after they're picked, but leave any remaining grapes for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. So what the Word is telling us is really pretty basic. So you've just had a successful harvest. Now you've got to think about what does it take to have success like that? I mean, you've worked hard. You have tied the vines. You've pruned the vines. You have dealt with who knows what uh, that's tried to get to the vines. And, and you've been praying hard and hopeful for lots of rain. Now back then, when this was written, you didn't have an you know, irrigation system that you could just plug into. There you were very dependent upon uh, the weather. And you just had amazing weather, and you have one of the most amazing crops you've ever had. I mean, you're thinking, this is the crop of all crops. I mean, our grapes are amazing, they're juicy, they're, they're just the right size, and you know, the last couple of years have been rough, but you finally have a breakthrough. And then God comes and says, okay, you, are, you have amazing success. Now, what I want you to do is go through your vineyard once, and then walk away and leave everything that you missed for the foreigners, for the orphans, and for the widows. Now, I could see someone having a bad attitude about that. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? I mean, basically God is saying, you need to leave alone all that you miss, which could be a substantial amount, so that others who haven't done a thing can go ahead and grab that crop, whether it's wheat or grapes or whatever you've been growing, that would also apply to the animals and to those who are ranchers. This would apply across the board, that you were to go ahead and have an attitude that you would let go and 
share your blessing. But you see, it requires an attitude to see it as a blessing. Here comes the challenge for us. And I've had this conversation many times. Just this past month, I had this conversation. We were talking about the idea of, you know, working hard, having a great crop, and then hearing God say, I want you to leave a little bit behind. And I kind of had someone say something like this. You mean I got to leave my grapes, my field, my olives, my grain alone so someone else who has done nothing can pick it up? Yes, exactly. And of course, the problem is what? My olives, my grapes, my wheat, my field. See, there's an attitude problem there. My paycheck, my talent, my time. It isn't yours. We are to take on an attitude that what we have is all owned by God. He's a man of that church. And so the struggle often comes, it's a very simple struggle. And you see Moses basically teaching the people that, listen, I have done this amazing miracle in your life. I set you free. I delivered you out of Egypt. You are in bondage, and now today you have crops. You have freedom. You have your families. You have this amazing new life. And you need to realize that I'm going to set some boundaries in this, and you need to have a good attitude about it. Because you, you and I must always remember and never forget the love, grace, and blessings of the Lord. Because that's exactly what Israel would do over and over again. They would forget the grace and the love and the blessing of God. Let me tell you, lovingly, the church does it today. Many of us forget the grace, the blessings, the love of God in our lives. We so easily get into a situation, all of a sudden it's like we go blind, and all of a sudden we have this tunnel vision, and we forget a month ago, God just blessed you. But all you see is that moment, and now you become negative, a little grumpy, a little irritated, frustrated, maybe even angry, discouraged, disappointed, and you think, God, where are you? And I'm going to tell you, it's about your attitude right now. I'm, I'm just like you. I, I, I've had those conversations with God. I've said to God not too long ago, I said, God, okay, listen, I have served you my entire adult life. I deserve a break here, don't I? Have you ever had that conversation with God? God, I've done all this for you. I, I've spent, I mean, I've literally spent my entire, I, I really had this conversation with God. I, I'm praying, God, I, I don't want to go through this thing. And I have, you know, man, look at all I've done for you, God. And God responded to me in silence. I've learned something. In my life when God is silent, that's God telling me, you already know the answer to the question. <laughs> That's like God saying, okay, why do I need to answer this question or this prayer when you know the answer? And he's right, I do know the answer. But in a moment of frustration and feeling overwhelmed, being human, we will ask God those things. You know, and God says you need basically you have a good attitude. You know, it's okay. Go go through this field once, leave behind what's left over. And remember, I brought you out of Egypt. I saved you. You were enslaved. 
You were held captive, but now you've been set free. And you understand metaphorically, we all come from Egypt. We were slaves to sin or addiction or to some kind of behavior. We were, sl- we were enslaved to something of life that overwhelmed us. And all of a sudden, God has said, you are free. Now live free indeed. And don't forget what I have done. And yet, how quickly do we forget what the Lord has blessed us with? And I had someone in this conversation said these words, Pastor, this isn't fair. I said, you're right. It isn't fair. And I realized it doesn't feel fair because I guess things don't always work out the way you want them to work out. <clears throat> the whole idea now this wasn't fair, that you know this wasn't just, and it was on and on it went as it was applying. But again, it was once again the, the words that was reflecting an attitude that wasn't really healthy because it was about my, 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 rather than God's, God's, God's. Can you see that, church? Yeah. Attitude is critical. I think having a healthy attitude is so important to our lives. And, and we see here that, you know, it's not your paycheck, it's God's. It's not your car, it's not your boat, it's not your house. God has given you so much. And the Word of God is telling us, use it for His glory. Use what you have to help others. Use it and have the attitude that you're willing to serve and care for others. That is repeated over and over again in Scripture. It says like in Matthew, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you'll surely be rewarded. In other words, if you take whatever gifts you have, reserves you have, whatever blessing you have, and share even a little bit of it, well, then you're living the right way. But if you hoard what you have and you see what you have is only for yourself, and I've met and talked to people who have been given great blessing, and it's like they don't share it. It's all for them. And that is a tragic thing. God put us on this planet so that we would worship him and enjoy him and have this amazing community that we have what's called the church. And then we share and we care for one another. And that is one of the best and highest callings that we can have. I want you and I to be a family that understands how important it is to see God has given you something and not just for you. But here again comes an attitude because I have heard this comment. I've worked so hard, put so much time in. Why should I have to share this? And a lot of times we even end up doing things that become so self-centered that it robs us of our ability to share and care for others. I got to tell you, the longer I've lived life, the more that I've done this stuff, and I've been involved in a lot of situations, the more important I realize how it is to just see other people. Serving other people, caring. I mean, that, that's really good. It's really neat to be able to help people and, and look back over a week or your month and say you, you helped somebody and did something amazing. And that's what God's teaching us is that we want to be careful that you have maybe a great education, a skill, something that you've acquired. Well, use it not just to get a paycheck, but use it to serve God. Some of you do that. I'm going to brag about Kevin for a second because he does that. I mean, I've seen him help a lot of people. He's got a great skill, and he helps people. 
That's a really amazing thing. I've seen Ben. I mean, he uses a skill, and look at what we got here. That is a blessing. I have a very close friend who is an expert in legal things, and he uses his skill to help people over and over again, no charge, because he has this education and experience, and he's helping people. I see that kind of thing time and time again. I have received blessing from you because of using your skill here at the church or in my own life. That is what God's called us to do. I want to give that way, my education, my training, my skill, to bring blessing back to you because that's how we work together. God calls us to have a good attitude. God calls us to be able to have this kind of thing that goes on and use the blessings that we have. God has said that, listen, thankfulness flows from being in God's presence. Okay, let's shift to uh, Colossians. Would you turn to Colossians chapter 3? Let's continue our journey. So we looked at Deuteronomy and this amazing instruction of sharing what God has given us. And to be thankful, you'll notice the connection to be thankful. Now, we look at uh, Colossians 3.15, and it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body. Okay, now look at this last kind of, Almost looks like an add-on here, right? And be thankful. Say that with me. And be thankful. Say it again. And be thankful. So here's this amazing, by the way, this is Banyas, if you can't see it. This is Israel and uh, the flowing river there. So it's talking about, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. So rule in your hearts. Heart, first of all, let's talk about heart. What does that mean? You, you should know that. Anyone who's been sitting here in, in, at Abundant Life for a while, I know that heart has to do with your emotions, your feelings, your attitude. Having a, a healthy heart, having a good heart biblically isn't your cardiac muscle. That's something different. We're talking about really your brain. God is giving you a brain, and within that brain is what resides is your heart, your emotions, your attitude, uh, the ability for you to, to, to allow something happen in here because that's how God created us, right? We have intellect, we have emotion, it all works together. And God says, so here's what I want, is I want the peace of God to rule your emotions, your feelings, your attitudes. The peace of God to rule it. Now that's an interesting word, rule it. I love that word. Now if you get out your Greek dictionary and look up that word, you would discover something pretty interesting. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We could change that word to let the peace of God umpire your heart. Isn't that great? I love this. So what's happening here, if you're into football or baseball, you know what an umpire is, right? You know what the ref is. And what's the ref's job? So when the team does something wrong, like the Seahawks, you know, uh, do something, you know, get off sides a little bit, they are penalized and the ref throws in a flag and then marches off X number of yards. Or if the defender all of a sudden got in the way of the uh, receiver that was about ready to score a touchdown and pushed him, we have a ref who throws in a flag and then marks that spot, and now the ball goes back there because that was a foul. God says, I want to do the same thing. Let the peace of God umpire your emotions, your feelings. 
And I guess I just have this image of God throwing a flag on the field of your life. And all of a sudden, the whistle's blowing, and God says, wrong. You have just stepped over the line. Let my peace rule your heart, not your frustration, not your anger, not your irritability, not your bad attitude, but let my peace, this is not your peace, let my peace, the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Word of God says my peace is an amazing gift given to you. It's a supernatural gift that God brings into your life. And what the Word is saying, rather than letting all these other things be a part of this, so now your emotions are governed by, umpired by the peace of God. And now there's a new attitude that takes place in your life. I really believe attitude is very important. You know, again, I, I've had a lot of conversations with a, a lot of human beings, and my life as well as in your life, attitude is a big deal. I think I've learned it's more important than a lot of things. Have ever met someone with a good attitude? I love hanging out with people who've got a good attitude. I love seeing people with bad attitudes get good attitudes. But I also know that if you don't get a good attitude, that leads down a path that isn't very pleasant because it will injure your family. It'll injure your capabilities at work. It will, it will stress you out. I've met people time and time again who have terrible attitudes about the things of life, and it so taints them that all of a sudden, no, everyone around them is affected by it. You know, there's a lot of things in life that happen. I understand that. And God says in the midst of that, let my peace, let my presence, let my spirit come into you and rule over you. And that's a real healthy thing. That's what God calls us to do. You know, it goes on and says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spirits, on singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Dwell in you richly. Again, look it up in your Greek dictionary. The word dwell means to have permanent residence in you. Let the word of God take up permanent residence in your life. In other words, the image here is a house that you and I buy the house. <laughs> and the house is God's word. The house is God's life. It, it is something that we take in and now we are owners rather than renters. Because renters don't have the same ownership. Renters don't have the same feelings that you have when you own a place. I've been a renter. You know, and something goes wrong, right? You, you, you call somebody else, right? It's like, you know, and, and you don't, maybe you're not as focused on what's going on around you because it's not yours. But all of a sudden, when you own it, it takes on a different life. It has more meaning. There's more to it. And when you own this, all of a sudden, when the Word of God, you own it, rather than just rent the Word of God. I think a lot of people in Christ rent from the Lord rather than own it. And God's calling to be an owner to let it dwell in you richly 
So you have wisdom and teaching, admonishing and warning one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You know, at this time, you have to realize the reason why they say this, back then, you need to know there was no music industry in Israel. There were no concerts. They did not have Hosanna music. They didn't have anyone traveling to Australia with all their you know, really cool songs. They didn't have any of that. What they're doing here is they're taking the Word of God and applying it to music. They're taking Scripture and singing it so that they will remember the principles of God. I love the fact that we sing Scripture. A lot of our songs are scripturally based. And we pick those things to, to help you and I. Nothing, isn't it great that you wake up and uh, uh, you wake up in the morning and God puts a, a song and you realize it's one of the Psalms or it's something that has to do with Scripture and God puts that in you? That is a good day. And God does that. You know, I think sometimes we listen all and we think we waste memory space with some of the songs we put in our brain up there. That just isn't worth it. You know, you only have a limited amount of space up there. So why, why use all that amazing you know, geography in your brain and waste it with songs that just have no, no real help. You know, why not fill it? Why not fill the ram of your brain with wor the word, you know, and, and scripture and the songs of God? I mean, that's a better use. Wouldn't you say amen to that? I mean, I see more people with all kinds of stuff that they, they just kind of fill that space up with, and I'm not sure it's all that great. God has called us to take and understand. Here, listen, Ephesians 5, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what this is saying. Watch out for discontentment because discontentment will rob you of thankfulness. When you feel discontented, when you are frustrated, when you are not satisfied and you have a bad attitude, it robs you of the thankfulness of God and you become negative. If you notice sometimes it's hard to come into service and worship God because your morning didn't start so good? Let me tell you something. Worship to the Lord starts first thing when you get up. It doesn't happen when you walk in the door. A lot of times we make the mistake and worship, we think, happens when I walk into the sanctuary. The fact is, the first thing that goes on in your brain, the first thing that you process, like this morning, I woke up and I put on Scripture. I love listening to Scripture in the morning. You know, I'm still kind of waking up and all of a sudden, I'm, I, the first thing is, you know, I've got that technology like you do, right? So you, you turn on Scripture and just, God, just start filling the place with your Word. It really makes for a good morning. And I want you to know that I know some of you are thinking, well, you're a pastor, so of course you do that. Well, you should know not every pastor does that. And I haven't always been a pastor. But I have made that a practice of my life to do that because I love having God's Word go on in my brain. I like having the first thing that goes on, my first thoughts, is His Word. Or the, the music to His Word. Man, that just changes everything. So we begin to realize that God is calling us to allow his word to reside permanently in our lives. 
And then it goes on and says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There it is again, giving thanks, kind of a repeated thing, right? To God the Father through him. Now, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That should not be new to you, right? Where, where do we have that scripture? This is a test. Ah, oh, that is our whole series, Engage. And we have Colossians 3.17. So when you go out into the lobby there, over the elevator, it's written right there. Go ahead and take a look. He's a man of that? This is something that we believe. Now, we've tagged on the rest of the sentence because it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So thankfulness grows in the positive environment of a positive attitude. I am here to encourage you to have a good attitude. I believe a good attitude is critical to the success of a lot of things in life. Now, I love you but some of you need to have an attitude adjustment because your attitude isn't great. And you know, you're, you're doing something that Scripture warns you about. You're complaining, you're grumbling, you are what I call, you have a spirit of grumpiness, and we want to cast out that spirit, every one of you, because we want to see God's peace ruling our emotions and heart. Now, I want to be something, I want to make this clear. It is your responsibility and it's something you choose to do. If it doesn't happen, you have no one else to blame but yourself. Okay, I want to be clear on that. Too often we assign everybody else around us as the responsible parties, like if they would change, then my life would be better. That is not a healthy statement. God calls you to make this choice. I'm not saying we don't have bad moments. I'm not, listen, don't walk out thinking, you and I have bad moments. But those bad moments need to be short. And then we recover quickly and say, God, forgive me. Because you know what? I am so thankful for what I have. And now you start thinking about all the amazing things that God has done. Giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Having a positive attitude is so important. I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Charles Swindoll. He used to be very popular years ago. He was one of those guys that I, I read just about every book he wrote. He's probably written about 60 of them. And this guy, I, I admired him. Um, when I was in Los Angeles, I had a chance to meet him and, and hear him speak a number of times. And uh, he is one of my heroes of faith. Um, I, I really appreciate him. He wrote something that stuck with me. Matter of fact, uh, I have a poster of it um, somewhere. I, I, was, I was actually looking for it. It's one of those things that it's in the attic someplace. But it's a very, uh, you, you might have heard this before, but this is a quote from Charles Swindoll. I wanted you to, to let me read it to you. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, education, money, circumstances, failures, successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. Let me say it again. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, 
And that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Yeah, take that home and think on this. Realize it's not the word, but it applies clearly. Attitude is really important. I have talked, it seems like the last several months, I've had more conversations with people about their attitude. And I've said this word, yes, you know, your home life would be better if your attitude would change. Because I have people coming in, complaining about their family, their kids, their spouse, going on and on. And I'm going, not that it's all wrong. There may be some information there. But then at some point, I am saying to them, okay, you are right. This is happening. But it's not going to get better until you change your attitude. And that's challenging. That's like God saying, leave behind some of the grapes and the the wheat and some of the corn so someone else can have it. And you're thinking, that's just not fair. I've lived with this thing. Now they need to change first. And then maybe I'll change. (laughs) Are you with me? Attitude is really important. Attitude is a critical part. You know, we live in, in a world today in the 21st century where I think entitlement is a great challenge. You know, I used to have this thought, and, you know, there may be entitlement is something of an issue for maybe a younger generation, but I have found that this is something across the board because I've dealt with entitlement for people who are older and and younger. I'm soon discovering this is becoming a cultural issue, that there is this problem of, of entitlement And the more we think we're entitled, the less we will be thankful. The more we think that we deserve something and it's all about me because I'm special or somehow I deserve this because of what I've done or haven't done. I mean, we all struggle with that concept. I I shared with you my struggle. There are times when I have felt entitled because of what, you know, I said, God, I'm entitled. Look at all I've done for you. You should give me a break here. And of course, God is quiet at that moment. That's entitlement. I mean, there's something about you and I understanding this is a challenge we face in the world we live in. And unfortunately, we're seeing it repeated over and over again. I want to challenge you to be aware of these moments and ask God to bring about that change that, you know what, society doesn't necessarily owe you anything. And maybe it's just about how we just learn to give and have an attitude of giving and serving and loving and let the peace of God rule our hearts. You know, I, I was reading some material and I came across the idea of entitlement related to the increase in lawsuits today. And it's being reported in a number of, uh, I think, re- very reliable sources that there are, there's a huge increase in people suing people or companies and whatnot. It's almost kind of like the idea that we're suing Uh, And as I went down the road of research that we're suing people for some ridiculous things. I found a few of them. (laughs) These are actual lawsuits. You can look them up for yourself, but uh, I verified them. And so like a few years ago, there was a lawsuit against the San Francisco Giants, right? 
They were sued for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only. Someone won that lawsuit. There's another one where a psychology professor was sued not too long ago, a few years ago, for a sexual harassment because of the presence of mistletoe at his Christmas party. This is my, one of my favorites. Uh, so let me tell you, the award that this person won was $986,000. This 14,000 shy of a million. The lawsuit was a psychic who sued her doctor and the, um, and the medical center because it had been ordered that she needed a CAT scan. And she sued the doctor in the clinic, stating that the CAT scan, right, the scan of her brain, impaired her psychic abilities. <laughs> and that she lost her abilities because of the CAT scan. And the courts awarded her $986,000. Now, I had this thought. If she was a good psychic... She should have known. <laughs> there was evidence she wasn't that good. <laughs> true, true, true story. Here's another one that I, I liked. Uh, it's uh, this, uh, this individual, male, won a reward of $300,000. Larry was playing with his boomerang. And he threw the boomerang and it came back and it hit him in the head. So he claimed that that injury uh, uh, had injured and affected his memory and some other things that uh, were of concern. And so he decided that he should go and sue the boomerang company. When he went to his attorney, his attorney recommended that he not do that. So instead, they decided that Larry should sue himself for negligence for causing himself bodily harm. He won the case. <laughs> he proved the fact that he was not bright <laughs> and unskilled in a boomerang. The payout was $300,000. And because he had insurance, his insurance paid it out because the courts ordered it. Entitlement. <laughs> so you begin to see the, the craziness of the world we live in today. You know, it's interesting. The Bible, oh, there's yeah, the other pictures there. Sorry, I forgot that. Oh, there's another one, Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, there's a lawsuit against Dunkin' Donuts because uh, this wasn't as much fun, but uh, this guy sued Dunkin' Donuts because Dunkin' Donuts was advertising that they were serving real butter. So when he ordered his bagel, rather than getting real butter, he got substitute butter. And so he decided that he would sue Dunkin' Donuts, two owners of two stores, because it was misrepresentation and false advertising. Long story short, he won.
Uh, the attorney confirmed in the article in the information that the case has been settled, but the amount was not to be disclosed. So that means he got too much. <laughs> the Bible teaches us that not being thankful to God is sin. I want, I want you to walk out understanding. Not being thankful to the Lord our God in Scripture is sin. They did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Romans tells us that a lack of thankfulness goes down a road that is very unhealthy. We're reminded, and I know you've heard this, everything you have, you should be thankful to God for what he's given you. But you've got to remember that and have the attitude of being thankful. And to focus on that, you know, the, the scripture tells us that um, in 1 Corinthians, and here's an example, it says, do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. Listen, that was the repeated error of Israel over and over again. God would deliver them, they would appreciate it for a short time, and then they would, stop, they would start complaining and start thinking about all the things that wasn't happening. You know what? We're not any different. God does a miracle in your life, and six months later you complain about what God isn't doing, as somehow that miracle is no longer valid. God has done something that you ought to be thankful for, and it isn't weeks or months later you stop sharing that attitude of thankfulness because things aren't working out the way you wanted them. We have terrible short-term memories. The Word of God is calling us to have a good attitude, to be thankful, and to remember the good things God has done. It will change you. It will change your family. It will change your church. It will change your community. Can you see me of that? Thank you for listening. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.aofc.us or download our app. We hope that you will join us every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m.